Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever you are, I am the host of Talk Architecture Podcast. This episode is the continuation and part two on the previous episode that is called Design Process, the Now Concept on Time and Space. When I recount the mental health perspective that included the body, mind, and soul concept, and I discuss into the notion of time and space, veering towards um, phenomenology in architecture, I decided to tackle this topic um, today looking at the definitions of phenomenology in architecture. The first instance um, I found is an essay by, if I'm not mistaken, the name is Krauss. It could be a lecturer uh, giving a description on the theory of phenomenology. Please excuse me if I don't get this right, but in terms of the reference... The theory of phenomenology, semicolon, analyzing substance, application, and influence. Architecture 630 on theory and context. So I found this to be something that is useful for me to explain further, to discuss further on this topic of now, the idea or the concept of now on time and space. It is said that this is something which has been discussed for a long time. The phenomenology of architecture is a philosophical study of architecture In contrast, architectural phenomenology is a movement within architecture beginning in the 1950s, reaching a wide audience in the late 1970s and 1980s and continuing until today. It's an overview of phenomenology bracket architecture in Wikipedia. So I go to this essay. I think this essay that I mentioned earlier says here, designing an experience is a unique responsibility of an architect. The theory of phenomenology acknowledges this responsibility by implementing sensory design in order to establish establish experiential architectural space. Phenomenology demonstrated in architecture is the manipulation of space, material, and light and shadow to create a memorable encounter through an impact on the human senses. This theory promotes the integration of sensory perception as a function of a built form. Okay, this is kind of important, the integration of sensory perception as a function of a built form, meaning in form and function, it is the function, sensory perception. 
Now this is where I'm going to go into my take or analysis on something that I did recently. Let me finish this uh, particular paragraph. An analysis of this aesthetic through interpretation of its qualitative elements and the exploration of case studies by phenomenological theorists Alberto Perez Gomez, Peter Zamtor, and Stephen Hole as supportive evidence will highlight its fundamental characteristics as a theory in contrast to a more rationalist design approach. An observational argument to prioritize the human experience and design will be determined by exploring the theoretical construct of phenomenology. Now, to be honest, okay, there's another paragraph or so, a few other paragraphs in this essay, and um, this author uh, started to talk about case study one, Stephen Hall, block edition. Um... And a block addition is an exploration of space to the effect of light, okay? And describes further. And then you have another one, which is Peter Zamthor's Thermoval's sensory experience using bold materials and playful light. So I like to ask this question whether I, as a designer, intended to use light and shadow and create an architecture that is some called phenomenology or phenomenological approach. Uh, do, do I require to use space, material, light and shadow and then I'll... And this is the basis for the um, um, theoretical aspects of architecture but um, let me say this when we talk about the human senses because you know this is just four things space material light and shadow I did mention about space and time right earlier so now this is the now yeah you have all these components to make architecture which the human being can able to 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 experience through the senses, because the human being is made made up of senses. So, uh, in order to experience, so the architect um, intentionally create this architecture so that this a human being can can experience all this. Now, in a very functional, uh, shall I say, design that we did of the bus stop. Taking into account the two uses, um, main uses, the wheelchair user and the blind person, we just asked the question, um, we just asked the question to our design that the blind user asked us earlier, which is, how do I know I have arrived at the bus stop? Now, the only thing that we did the bus stop to say how they would arrive, apart from digital application to the physical application that we did, was the warning tiles at both sides 
leading to the sidewalk. In the precinct of, uh, of uh, left and right sidewalks, there, is, there are warning tiles because warning tiles is the guide that blind person are used to. Okay, so we know that the blind person with a sense uh, of tactile, of touch, that is the tactile warning tiles that is on the floor that he could, he or she could feel through the white cane or the bottom of their feet. And it is a recognized pattern that is included in the standards, right? Okay. So, of course, we know that this person is aware of um, hearing sensation or hearing senses, smell, touch, taste. Apart from the person can't really see, right? They cannot see this at the bus stop. So, is this phenomenology in architecture? Now, you know, when we talk about architecture, we tend to look at a lot as art and experience of aesthetics through, through the sensations, meaning that it has to be an artistic endeavor in, in, in a way. But we're not consciously doing that. But we know that by doing a utilitarian building, it's not even architecture, right? It's just a design that we've added some criteria to it and built it with the help of um, local authority. And, and we want to know. We want to know what else to improve, obviously. But if you're an architect and you want more, and it will cost more, perhaps, maybe bird calls or some sort of uh, vibration, some sort of smell, a particular vegetation that you would include with the bus stop. That would even make it um, more sensorial, of course, to recognize by a non-sighted person that they have arrived at the bus stop. Yeah, we were talking about the now concept of the usefulness or the utilitarian of the artifact or the architecture at that point for the person to experience. It could be a house, it could be... Um, you know, designing in a way that um, creates a sensorial experience in, in your own um, abode or in your own house, um, or it could be intentionally done uh, in a community facility, even a park. So there is a park concept called the sensory garden, and if it's agenda is towards um, getting um, to help intellectually disabled um, or mentally disabled um, individuals to to rehabilitate or to 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 gain from from being in a sensory garden to learn things learn new things forms shapes uh, texture and, and all that that is an aim for a sensory park, but it is a park. It is a type of um, a type of public facility or building. 
So when it comes to a transit point, such as what we did with the bus stop, we only work with uh, the limitation of costs. We haven't really thought about imposing different sensorial experience for the blind person. What if we did? Would we touch architecture thereafter? And this is an interesting proposition to think about. When we think about architecture, that, that we build up layers and layers of sensorial experience for the user. So, so the bus stop was not only for the, um, for the non-sighted person, it's also for others. It's, it is just a transit point. You can sit on it. You can, it's made of certain materials, and those materials are just utilitarian. They were decided because that's the cheapest, that is the most vendor-proof. Now, if somebody discerning a critique on architecture theory were to listen to me, they would say, this is not theory of architecture, this is just, um, it doesn't have any sense of aesthetics. So I'm, I'm trying to debate about aesthetics and utilitarian. And where is the cutoff point? Is it, and is it like something that, it's just one one say that one is considering aesthetics. Uh, to me, aesthetics is not just um, on the surface here. Yeah? It's to do with uh, the whole experience of uh, the sensory experience. We did debate about or not. We did discuss about this with my PhD student, um, who's now a professor uh, from Iran uh, on aesthetics. Um, aesthetic uh, principles um, that he looked into case studies in public architecture in Iran, which are heritage buildings. So the journey or the going through that space is also an aesthetic experience. So, and therefore geometry says, um, uh, my PhD student was, the use of volume and space through time will define the aesthetics or define the um, how you would uh, appreciate the building. So we didn't employ this geometrical principles, just a certain size that would fit on the site and um, basically anthrop Anthro, um, anthropometrics and ergonomics of it really uh, we didn't really consider much of the aesthetics and even the Kuala Lumpur City Hall officer who was involved with the bus stop said that it has to be better looking than what you all have proposed so I think that is the criticism about our bus stop that we didn't have an aesthetic um, sense in a way that normally people would perceive it. But in my opinion, um, it's left to the interpretation. What am I talking about when I talk about it this way? Is that phenomenology in architecture to do with space and time and to do with public facility is not easy to control in terms of 
geometries, order, and proportion, other things were coming to fore. And to defend um, this aesthetic sensibilities is not uh, an easy task to do uh, when you're dealing with others. And even myself, I was not focusing on the aesthetic sensibilities. I just did a design that is um, trying to make it as cheap as possible. But I believe that if we were to explore the bus stop design, which is have universal design principles for everyone, all users, if we were to look at aesthetic sensibilities and using cheap materials, we can elevate it to another um, another a prototype that is doable, can be done, and yet it has to measure to those principles that we want in terms of sensorial experience that would help the user. Now, it's all a matter of perception, you see. I, I'm veering away from the, um, the preset topic of this podcast episode on um, the now concept on time and space. Um, this is part two, and um, but I'm more exploring the, the phenomenology in architecture and taking on some points from the essay by Krauss. Designing an experience is a unique responsibility of an architect. So, you know, when we talk about art as an important component in architecture, the form making, that's when it is that layer of design that we have to consider to, to deal with the sensorial experience, in my opinion. So we can learn from theory of architecture to, to improve on what we do. Uh, by talking about it. The dialogue or the conversation is important to continue doing. And, um, yeah, I I would say that. And um, so my conclusion for this in part two, I think I won't be talking about this under this topic anymore. But my conclusion about the now concept is that the now concept where you experience time and space at that particular moment, you need to ev- invoke or you need to have the sensorial experience together in order for it to be an enriching experience. The utility of it much more for diverse use, it could mean different things for different people. And it could make it more memorable and able to assist with the orientation or wayfinding or the sense of the space when you encounter a particular design 
that provides that sensorial experience much more than just one thing, but a few other things, then this would help many more users. I mean, we were designing for blind persons and wheelchair users mostly. I mean, we were targeting those two categories of users, but you, we know that there are other users. And we haven't really gone into the research yet for the sensorial experience, like for the intellectually disabled person, for example, autistic uh, persons or um, down, persons with Down syndrome or persons with rare disease and um, and other users that, you know, there are many, many users uh, who have different things, different diverse needs. So it could be that the bus stop or a transit point could be much more interesting if we are, we can press aesthetics as part of function. Now, that's the thing that I was trying to get at. Practically, when we're trying to convince um, other people about universal design, it's it is limited in a way. The universal design principles, uh, the seven principles, they are very utilitarian, more for digital architecture. But architecture with the experience and the now concept in time and space, I think we could... We could push the boundaries of designing or we could push it further to, to add more layers to to the experience. And I think that this is the something that I discovered today and with the help of this essay, I would try to put this in the description below because to me it's useful. But you can always Google... Um, Phenomenology. Um, you can always Google phenomenology in architecture to find some of these interesting articles. I think, um, thank you for listening to this. And if there's more material or more substance to it, or even anyone like to talk about this, if they are doing this as part of their research. We would gladly have you have you in this podcast to be interviewed. Thank you very much for listening.